Good afternoon. It's a pleasure to be back here this afternoon. And I, my prayer is, is that our study will continue to be uplifting to us and that it will ultimately glorify Christ. I've had good pleasure to deliver messages concerning Satan and the angels over the last five or six years. And invariably, somebody always tells me a personal story about how they believe they saw an angel or that an angel appeared to them or told them something. My grandmother believed that she was saved by uh, at the occasion of an angel appearing to her field. And she's convinced that that's when her salvation occurred. I had a co-worker that is still an acquaintance of mine that believes that she was uh, directed one night by an angel that had flown from the side of the road onto the hood of her pickup and gave her some special directions. And uh, I'll leave it to you to determine, determine just how, how much and what she had been drinking that evening. <laughs> but people all over the world believe a lot of times, a lot of different people have seen angels or have some special uh, vision or that an angel has told them something. So I want to pose the question this evening, do angels speak to us? And if they do, should we listen to them? And that's the question I want to ask. It's a legitimate and good question. We're going to go through the scriptures and see what the scriptures have to say in regards to this subject. Because again, we're going to accept what the scriptures have to say about the subject of angels. When the scriptures say something, we'll accept that as fact. That'll be the information that we gather concerning angels. The book of 1 Kings, the 13th chapter, beginning in verse 8, there's a story told about the uh, king Jeroboam. Jeroboam had led the northern country of Israel away from God. And God decided to send a prophet up there to talk to Jeroboam and try to lead them back to the true worship. And this prophet was told to go up there, don't eat anything, don't drink, don't stay the night, come back, don't stay with anybody, go tell this message and come back. Went up to talk to Jeroboam, and there was quite an involved uh, a series of events that went there. He didn't eat, didn't stay, didn't drink with anything. On his way back, he met up with somebody. And we pick up here in about verse... Uh, Eight says, then he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? This is the person that he met. And he said, I am. Then he said to him, come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I cannot return with you nor go in with you. Neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. For I've been told by the word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread nor drink water there or return by going the way you came. So he, as he's going up to this place, this prophet met him this prophet in this other city met him and said, you got to come home with me. And the guy said, I can't. The word of the Lord told me not to. The prophet says here, notice he says, he said to him, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back to you, to your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. He was lying to him. So he went back with him and ate his bread in his house and drank water. Now it happened as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back and he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah saying, thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but you came back, ate bread and so on. He says, your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your father. So it was after he'd eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled the donkey for him, the prophet whom he had brought back. When he was gone, a lion met him on the road and killed him and his corpse was thrown on the road and the donkey stood by it and the lion also stood by the corpse. So this prophet that went up there, he met this other prophet on the way back who said, well, an angel told me 
that you should come home with me. Well, the guy was lying. He never saw an angel. But he told the guy that he did. You know what? The prophet of God was just as dead one way or the other. Sometimes people say they have seen an angel when in fact they have not. They're lying. So we have to be careful. Just because somebody says, oh, I saw an angel or an angel told me something, doesn't mean that it's legitimate. But wait, maybe there are occasions where angels really do appear to people. Let's look at another story. 1 Kings, the 22nd chapter, verse 19 through 23. There was a king in Israel named Ahab. This king, uh, and also the king in Judah, was named Jehoshaphat at this time. They wanted to go join in battle together, and they were trying to decide if they should. King Ahab, uh, King Jehoshaphat said, we should ask the prophets. King Ahab said, don't ask that guy. He always gives bad news. <laughs> I don't want to hear what he has to say. And so they asked him to come in anyway. And this prophet came in and told him what would happen. He said, you know, you're going to die. So Ahab says, well, I won't do this, I won't do that. And here's the story of this prophet coming in and talking to them. Beginning in verse 19, Then Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by, and on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner, another spoke in that manner. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, in what way? He said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. The Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. So here's the situation. Ahab had asked all of his prophets, and they said, oh, yeah, go. It'll be great. You'll win the battle. Jehoshaphat has his prophet come in, and Ahab is saying, oh, he's going to tell bad, you know. And Micah says, well, here's the deal. An evil spirit has gone out from the Lord and lied to these prophets, and what they're telling you is not true. And he says, if you go, you're going to die. Now, right about now, you're probably asking the question, how is it that an evil spirit went out from before the Lord? And that's a very good question to ask. We'll try to answer that in our next session. Whatever the case, here are these prophets, these so-called prophets, lying to Ahab. The true prophet of God says, no, it's going to happen this way. A lying spirit, an angel told those prophets wrong, misdirected them. Well, Ahab says, I'm going to be smart. I'll dress up, disguise myself, and go into battle. You know what happened? Just by chance, somebody shot an arrow, and it hit Ahab. Even though he was dressed up, not to be like the king, he just looked like another soldier. The arrow struck him, and he died. God said he would die. The word of the Lord came to him and told he would die. An angel lied to false prophets, Ahab listened to them, he died. So not only sometimes people lie about seeing angels, sometimes angels misinform. That is something that happens in the scriptures. The scariest story in the Bible. For you kids, this is, a, this is one of those you tell at night type scary stories. Job. A lot of th bad things that happened to Job. These friends came to see him, and they began to talk to him. And they began to, after Job kind of expressed his complaint, and they began to talk about why these things might be happening. And this first guy replied back to Job, told Job, he said, well, I want to tell you, I've heard from God why these things are happening to you. And here's how he says he heard. Now, a word was secretly brought to me 
and my ear received a whisper of it. In disquieting thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on men, fear came upon me and trembling, which made all my bones shake. Then a spirit passed before my face. The hair on my body stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes. There was silence. Then I heard a voice saying, Can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker if he puts no trust in his servants, if he charges his angels with error? How much more those who dwell in the houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed before a moth? So this man is talking to Job, and he says, You know, Job, way in the night, at the time when most people are in their deepest sleep, I saw a vision. I saw a spirit come into my room. My bones were shaking. The hair on my body stood straight up. This spirit was of such a nature that I really couldn't make it out. Its appearance is sort of in a dark form. And as I laid there terrified, this spirit spoke to me. And the essence of what this man says the spirit told him is that, Job, it must be your fault. Because man's not more righteous than God. And since you're suffering, God wouldn't punish you if you hadn't done anything wrong. Therefore, you must have done something wrong. And so they went for the next 36 chapters arguing about whether or not Job had done anything to deserve what had happened to him. At the end of the book, we find out that these men had falsely accused Job, that they had spoken incorrectly. Now, that is not to say that what this man said wasn't true. What this man said was true in part, at least, but it was misapplied. Man is not more righteous than his maker. And God not only can accuse the angels, he can also accuse those of us made in houses of clay. That is all true, but that is not an application. It was not correctly applied in Job's case. So what we have here is the appearance of an angel that spoke to a man, but this information was not applied correctly. So there's all kinds of examples in the scriptures of angels that appeared to man and spoke to man and gave information to man. Sometimes men lie about it. Sometimes angels give wrong information in the scriptures. Sometimes angels give the correct information, but it's misapplied. In fact, when you study the scriptures, there is a whole host of places where angels reveal the will of God to man. Notice Acts chapter 7 verse 38. This is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give to us. This is Stephen preaching his sermon. And Stephen describes that law given to Moses as being given by an angel. He was there with the angel. Notice verse 52. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you have now, uh, now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. How did the fathers receive the law, according to Stephen? They received it by the direction of angels. Stephen's sermon makes it very clear that the old law was delivered to those people by the direction of angels. Oh yes, angels have been very involved in delivering the will of God to man. 
Notice Galatians 3.19. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. So again, the writer of Galatians, the Apostle Paul, describes that the law was appointed through angels. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 2. We get a peek into how this happened. He said, the Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He, and he came with ten thousands of saints. From his right hand came a fiery law for them. And then also in Psalm 68, verse 17, the chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of thousands. The Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. We'll talk about this a little bit more, uh, um, I believe tonight and also uh, Sunday night. But I want you to just remember for a moment that scene of this holy mountain. As they came from a distance, you remember they saw smoke and fire on the mountain. And it was a, a horrifying scene. They saw this mountain on fire, more or less. And as they drew closer, and finally as they came up there, God began to speak to them from the mountain, and it was as, as if the top of the mountain were on fire. And then Moses went up into the cloud and in the mountain, and he received the Ten Commandments. And there was this cloudy fire on top of the mountain. What was that? These passages lead me to believe that what they were actually seeing was a cloud, if you will, of angels. A cloud of angels so thick, so populated, that it seemed to be fire, the brilliance of it. It seemed to be a cloud of fire, as if the mountain was on fire. These angels accompanying the delivery of the law. So as these different preachers in the New Testament talk about the law, they describe the law as being given by the direction of angels. Angels were involved in the giving of that old, old covenant. It was given by the direction of the, of the angels, and those angels were there at, at that mountain. So angels have been very involved in the delivery of the law to man and very involved in God speaking to man. Think about some of these examples briefly. Hagar left the house. An angel came to her and said, go back. She left the house the second time. An angel came to her and said, okay, go on now, but your son's going to be a father of a great nation and he's going to be a, a fighter and all the things that was said about Ishmael. That's one example. Abraham and Isaac, when he went to kill Isaac, after God told him to slay the Isaac, an angel appeared on that occasion, Genesis 22. Abraham, Lot, Sodom, and Gomorrah. You remember that event? Angels came and appeared to them, and then they went into Sodom and Gomorrah and gave the message to Lot to escape. Angels very involved in giving specific instructions to man. We go to Jacob and the ladder into heaven when Jacob traveled over to go find a wife. On the way, he saw this vision of this ladder and angels going up and down, and it was a symbol to him how about, uh, about how this place would be an important place. And in fact, he referred to the place as a, the, the gateway into heaven or the door into heaven. Angel of the Lord in the delivery of the law that we've already noticed. Angel of the Lord in Gideon, the judge who judged over Israel and the angels that were involved with him. Elijah's angel. On a couple of different occasions, angels appeared to Elijah. Specifically, we think about Elijah when the angel came and prepared the cakes for him. And then he went on the strength of that food, 40 days and 40 nights. Isaiah's angel, we'll talk about Sunday night. Isaiah, the sixth chapter, where Isaiah saw these angels, Daniel's angels, Daniel chapter 3, Daniel chapter 8 through chapter 12, Gabriel and Michael and the angels that appeared before Daniel, delivering the messages of God to Daniel. Ezekiel's angels, chapter 1 through chapter 10, these angels deliver this prophecy to Ezekiel, and Ezekiel sees this played out through these angels. Zechariah's angels, Zechariah chapter 1 through chapter 6, there are angels that stand and deliver these Visions to Zechariah. It's not arguable. 
that angels have been a selected method of God to deliver his word to man. How about today? Are you waiting for an angel to appear to you today? I think we've just demonstrated that through the Old Testament and through the ancient times, that was a, a method chosen by God for angels to deliver his will to man. Let's study from the book of Hebrews for just a moment. Hebrews chapter 1, we'll read a, a section of it and a section of chapter 2. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. He says, you know, God has spoken to man at different times in different ways, various ways, various methods. Yep, that's true. God spoke to Adam and Eve directly. God spoke to man through angels. He spoke to man through different methods through the day, through days and gone by. He says, various times in various ways. Yeah, that is true. But he says, now he speaks to us by his son, and he describes this son and all the things relating to the son as a more excellent name, a more excellent way. So you and I have something the Hebrew writer tells us that is better. Okay. Better than what? Better than an angel sitting down beside you and saying, Nathan, you need to do this and you need to do that. And then flapping his wings and flying away. Now that's pretty cool. That'd be pretty awesome if all of a sudden an angel just sort of dissolved through the ceiling like that angel that appeared to Manoah as a puff of smoke and then turned into a man. And this angel that had the appearance of being a mighty angel spoke with this commanding voice and told us all to go do something pretty spectacular. That's pretty amazing. We have something better. That's what the Hebrew writer says. We have something better than that. Let's notice chapter 2. For if the words spoken through angels proved steadfast, in other words, if everything they said came to be true... If people died, if people were rewarded, if prophecies came true, if statements were accurate, if the words of the angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, when they said something, the people of Israel better obey because those things proved steadfast. And if that is true, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken, not by angels, but by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witnesses, with, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. The writer of Hebrews makes it abundantly clear that we have a better way, better than an angel appearing directly to you. Now, I don't know about you, but an angel appearing directly to me sounds pretty amazing. God has given you and I something better than that. Better than that. And he says, if God punished and rewarded those who received the law from the direction of angels, how much more 
Will he punish and reward us? How shall we escape if we neglect it? Neglect what? Neglect the message that was delivered from God by angels. He describes first to the prophets to Israel. But now he says, in these last days he's spoken to us by his son. It was at the first began to be spoken by the Lord. I didn't advance the slide when I should have. So God delivers the message now to you and I by the Lord, you see. And that message that comes to you and I by the Lord is the message of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the conveyor of that message sent from God by the authority of Jesus Christ now to you and I. It's the message of the Holy Spirit. That's how we receive instruction from God today. Not through angels, but the Lord. This thing begins first to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. That was the apostles. So not only did Jesus teach it, but the apostles confirmed it, and they confirmed it by the signs and wonders that the Holy Spirit empowered them to do. They were moved by the Holy Spirit to say and write the things that they did, and now you and I receive it. Somebody says, I don't know the apostles. Never met them. How am I going to receive the information from the apostles? Well, I want you to notice what Jesus told the apostles. Now remember, this is how God's going to talk to you. This is how God's going to speak to you, and it's better than an angel sitting down on the pew and speaking to you directly. It's better than that. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me, the words that I speak to you? I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Jesus says everything coming from me first come from God. So we got to understand that. What we're getting through Jesus Christ comes straight from the top. Comes straight from the Father. John 14, 25, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. So Jesus says that the conveyor of this message is the helper. This helper, he says, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. So the conveyor of the message from God through Christ through the apostles, as Hebrews told us, coming to us, the conveyor is the Holy Spirit. It carries this message, and he will guide us into all truth, you see. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. You see, he's coming from God, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And then finally, John 15, verse 26, but when the helper comes... Whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father. He will testify of me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. So Jesus said, now, guess what? Not only is the message coming to you from the Holy Spirit, but you've got a job to do. You've got to bear witness of it. You've got to tell everybody about it. So the apostles were faced with a daunting task. When Peter stood up in Acts, the second chapter, and preached the first gospel sermon, and people responded. You know what he said? He said, for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The apostles understood the weight of this subject. And they knew that the entire world for all ages to come needed to have this message. They understood the task before them. They knew it. They knew that people would need this message even after they died. They knew it. And they knew that Christ, they heard what Christ had told them. It was their job to bear witness of it. Remember, now they've got to do this better than angels. 
They've got to deliver this in such a way that's more persuasive, more convincing, and carries with it more power than if an angel spoke directly to you. How are they going to do that? Jesus says, you've got a, a job to do. The Holy Spirit is coming to you, and you've got to get that message to people in Denton, Texas in 2007. They've got to hear it. So what do the apostles do? Yes, I think it is right, Peter said, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you. Peter said, yeah, I know I've got a job to do. I know I've got to bear witness. And as long as I'm alive, I'm going to bear witness. I'm going to tell people, and I know you've heard this before already, but I'm going to remind you again. You know, that's a common theme with the apostles. Almost everything they wrote, they wrote it from the perspective of reminding you something they had already told. They understood their job in bearing witness of Christ. So he says, I understand as long as I'm in this tent to stir you up by reminding you. Watch this. Knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, since I know I'm going to die, but this job's got to get done, Peter says. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. The apostle Peter, along with the other apostles, knew what they had to do. They knew this message needed to be told after they died. They knew that. They were prolific writers. Always writing letters to churches back and forth. Prolific writers. Today, the Lord has brought to us just a portion of what they wrote. Enough for us to know. But they were prolific writers knowing what they had to do. And so he says, I'm going to be careful. I'm going to work diligently, he said, to ensure that you will always have a reminder of these things. The apostle Peter and the other apostles as well knew they had to write those things down. They had to. This message that came from God through the Holy Spirit, through Christ, through them, now they had to bear witness of it. They had to find a way to get it to me and you. So apostle Paul says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And I will tell you, I believe he's talking not just about the Old Testament scripture here. You read this in context. There are reasons to believe he's talking about the scriptures the apostles were writing. The passages that the Holy Spirit was inspiring them to write. He says these scriptures are profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Watch what Jude says when he talks about it. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you to exhort to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered. You know what Peter said? I mean, I'm sorry, Jude. Jude said, I'm really diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. Jude had something on his mind he really wanted to write about. And he says he was very diligent to do it. But because of the circumstances at hand, you know what he says? He said, I found it necessary because of some things that are going on, because of some problems in the church. I found it necessary to write to you, to exhort to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to all the saints. Why, Jude? For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord and our Lord Jesus Christ. Even early in the New Testament church, the apostles knew that there would be a movement to move away from the simplicity of the teachings of the gospel. And so because of that, they were very careful to write what they wrote and write it again, write it again, and write it again, and write those things down. And so he did. And even in the book of Jude, he says, you know what? I wanted to write about this, but instead I'm going to write about earnestly contending for the faith. And you know what the essence of what he said was? Don't accept change. Don't accept 
those things that are different than what has once been delivered to you. The gospel that was once delivered from the apostles, it's genuine, it's real, and it's true. Don't accept change. Don't accept when somebody comes and says, well, but you can go ahead and put this and do this and add this. And most of that was because of the Gnostics in the early uh, part of the, the church is why that was going on. So you notice that the apostles in the New Testament understood that. And so because of that, they were prolific writers. And what they wrote is what you and I have today as the New Testament. We have the Old Testament that they had, the Septuagint, Mesoretic text. is how ours is translated. And then they also wrote, and we have today, the New Testament. And that's how God speaks to you and I. That's how the Holy Spirit is conveyed to us today. So when you and I pick up the Bible, and when we read from the Holy Scriptures, what we have, we have, I meant to get my Bible out a while ago, and I forgot to do it. We have the words of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moved these men, and they wrote these things. This is not second-hand information. This is directly from the throne. The Holy Spirit coming from God through Christ to the apostles inspired them to write these things. And these scriptures now are inspired. This isn't an angel coming to us. This is better than that. These are the words of God. Does an angel speak to us today? That question still lingers. We know now that God has something better in order to reveal his will to us. He's done it directly through his Holy Spirit in the, in the revealing of the word. That's much better than hearing it secondhand through an angel. But the question still lingers out there. Do angels speak to us? Is an angel going to whisper in your ear during the night, disquieting thoughts, things that will make your hair stand up? Is that going to happen? I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who would trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. There in the area of Galatia, which is an area almost the size of Oklahoma, a lot of churches there, Judaizing teachers had gone through there and convinced people that there's another step in the process of salvation, that not only do you need to believe, repent, confess, and be baptized, but you also need to be circumcised. I bet that cut down the number of baptisms. (laughs) Wow, what a problem. And they were teaching this as law. And the apostle Paul was upset about it. And he wrote a letter and he said, don't believe these guys. He said, I'm surprised that you're so soon removed from the gospel that somebody would write these things. Now listen to what the Apostle Paul says in regards to this. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so say I now again. If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Would the Apostle Paul have allowed something that's impossible? I want you to think about what he said. If we preach another gospel, was that possible? It was. There were people doing that. There were people in the New Testament who began to try to preach that you had to be circumcised. His name was Peter. Paul had to correct him. And they they corrected that matter. 
Paul had to stand him to the face because he was taken off with, he kind of went off with those Jews, you know. Oh, yes, that could happen, and it did happen. And they were warned about it. And then I want you to notice what Paul says next. If we or an angel preach any other gospel to you, I'm going to tell you this afternoon that it is well within the allowance of this passage that an angel might try to tell you something. Don't listen. Don't believe him. Ignore him. If an angel, if you think an angel is appearing to you, turn him off. Don't listen. You've got something better. First of all, he's wrong. Whatever this angel is telling you, he's wrong. Let him be accursed. Yeah, an angel might. Angels might be trying to talk to you right now. We'll talk about them in our next session. Don't listen to them. Let them be accursed. And the word accursed, there's a very strong word. Completely disregarded. Um, anathema maranatha is the word. You know, completely cast off. Don't listen to them. You, you and I have what the Hebrew writer described as something better. Something better than that. We have the very words of God written inspired from the Holy Spirit. Let me show you another verse that would still lead us to this same conclusion. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no wonder. For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Remember the three stories we looked at at the beginning? One of the guys lied about it. The other guy misinformed, and yet again, the other guy misapplied something that was said to him. This passage tells us not only does Satan seek to disguise himself as an angel of light, not only is that angel out there trying to speak to you, but he may convince his ministers. There may be men who come to you saying, oh, an angel told me. I saw a 700-foot statue of an angel, and it told me to whatever. Oh yeah, they're out there. The apostles warned us about them. Don't listen to them. Maybe an angel did stand before him. Maybe it did. I don't know. Do you know? I'll tell you what I do know. Don't listen. Ignore them because we have the mind of God revealed through the power of the Holy Spirit and it is a better way. So the next time you think that you need to hear from an angel or that if just somehow God would reveal to me in a powerful way through an angel, then I would do it. You're thinking wrong. This is better. Better than if an angel spoke to you directly. I'm going to stop right there and turn the floor over to uh, one of the other guys. And we're going to pick back up with this thought in some degree or another in our next session. Appreciate your kind attention. I'll turn the floor over to somebody else this time.